Welcome to Driving the Narrative, Women in Architecture, a podcast by SB Architects. I'm your host, Jeanette Hoffman. Throughout this series, I'll be delving deeper into what it means to be a woman in architecture. Today's guest is Pinar Harris, Vice President and Principal at SB Architects. As a trailblazing architect, leader, and mentor, Pinar brings an innovative and versatile perspective that has been instrumental to SB's growth in the mixed-use and multifamily markets. Currently leading a series of high-profile projects in Florida, Pernar's portfolio includes 100 Las Olas and 1 St. Petersburg, which have both claimed the title of the tallest buildings in their respective cities. Pernar, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jeanette. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for the opportunity to sit down and talk with you. Well, we're very excited about this. You're a little bit of a celebrity to me because I haven't Aww. met you yet in person. So anytime I hear about you, they're always like, oh, ask Pinar. Pinar knows. Pinar's Aww. got it. So it's really so nice to have sweet. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So Pinar, we'd love to know a little bit more about how you got started in your career and what drew you to architecture specifically and anything else you want to let us know about your path to architecture. Sure. Uh, well, I'm originally from Turkey. I have been born, raised, and actually educated in Turkey. And then um, in my mid-20s, I came to the United States to get my master's degree in architecture. And the very first day of studio, I have met my husband. So that was the rest of my story. I stayed here. And then a year after graduation, I started at SB Architects as a junior level, uh, basically, drafter architect and then I just grew from there and here I am as a vice president and principal in front of you. Um, in terms of getting into architecture, I am a very avid reader and always have been from a very young age. I simply love books. I love the written words and my family is full of doctors, engineers, teachers. So architecture as a profession was not very readily available to me growing up. And I first learned and inspired by architecture through the books I have read. I love that. I can relate to that too, Pinar. My family is also mostly doctors and some teachers. So architecture, when I said I want to be in architecture, everyone was like, where did that come from? So I love that you kind of went outside the box. Um, in Turkey is architecture predominantly male or female profession because for I know in Mexico you know women being in architecture is quite common so what about Turkey um I think Turkey is very much like United States there are definitely women architects coming in but at the the top business owner level uh especially you know 20 years ago it's very much still it, or it was a male dominated field and, you know, women are working in architecture, but when it comes to getting projects, doing business, it was male, male led. That's interesting. And so you met your husband on the first day in the studio. Yes. He's a, obviously he's an architect. I was about to say, well, so yes. he's still in architecture, I'm assuming. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's amazing. Um, I have some friends that are married straight out of architecture school too, and their relationships lasted forever. Um, so I think it's a good way to meet. Um, so when you came over to the States, you got started in architecture. How did you hear about SB? 
it, it was complete a coincidence. You know, I after graduation, I started at a firm here in Miami. I got a job offer, so I came down from Gainesville. I was there for a year, and I think I got a little bit of a culture shock being in Miami and hearing a lot of Spanish being spoken in the office. And with me not speaking the language, I kind of wanted to uh, research outside of where I was to see what's out available. And I just went to AA Miami's uh, job posting website. I saw a posting from SP Architects and SP was the first and only place I applied. And I got an interview with Joan Dariola and Kevin Dunn and they offered me a position and I started. It was very actually straightforward and simple. But uh, like meeting Joe and meeting Kevin and they were so different than what I was used to in the other firm. So it kind of really excited me. Yeah, that's great. Um, did you feel like SB also was a really supportive environment when you came on early on as a female? Because that it, for me, I felt like that was what really drew me it, to SB. It, it really was. I mean, our office always have been pretty equal when it comes to male and female participation. And uh, when I started, of course, Shash Jory Friedman was here and, she, you know, I started working with her and we had a lot of females, my level, a little bit older than me, um, in working in the company, young mother. So it was a very supportive environment uh, in terms of me being a woman uh, from the very beginning. Yeah, I, I, I like that. And I agree. And I think it speaks volumes for how long you've stayed with the firm as yes. well, you know? Yes. Touching the aspect of you sort of leaning into the technical side along with your more creative side, I really respect that because um, I think that as designers, we are the best designers when we follow the project through and really start to understand how the things we draw on paper become the details in the field, right? And I think that you're a great example of that. But on site, I know sometimes it can be a little interesting when it comes to being a female on site. So um, has it been challenging at all navigating sort of this very male dominated environment? Have you had any sort of weird experiences or funny stories? I know I have some and I'd be happy to share, but I'd love I'd love to hear yours. Oh, I have I have many, many stories. Um, of course, there are definitely have uh, have a lot of challenges related to being a woman in our business, especially what the area that I'm focusing on. And you experience it once you live through it, you hear about it, but once it happens to you, it's very real. And I, I try personally, don't make uh, an issue of me being a woman, an issue in the business or, or my day-to-day -day interactions. When I remove my uh, that mindset, it's all about the job and doing the job well. But unfortunately, it's impossible to avoid contentious situations from time to time due to high stakes nature of my focus in our business. And sometimes I see that women are, uh, some people are uncomfortable having a woman as a counterpart and they do and say certain things that are related to me being a woman. Uh, but mm -hmm. as I said, I try not to make an issue and just try to focus on um, you know, what we are working on. Right. Like as long as you're doing your job well, they don't exactly. need to see gender. For example, when I go out on site, one of my, it's just sort of silly, but it's interesting to me. And I'm curious if you've experienced this. Most people just assume that I'm, I'm the interior designer. 
So because I'm a female, I must be the interior designer. So um, I've had multiple times, even when I've been, you know, out on site, everybody just goes, oh, well, the interior designer, or they'll come up to me and start asking questions about the interiors. I'm like, oh, no, sorry, <laughs> architect here. So, I mean, I honestly think it's kind of fun because it makes me feel like, oh, no, actually, we're the architect. You've been in our field for 17 years now. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think are some of the biggest barriers that we're still facing? And what do you think that we've... Um, overcome throughout your career? Yeah, well, I think the biggest barriers we as women are facing is structurally and historically, there are more male leaders. Many professions across all industries, including ours, um, the, top, the top level is still very male oriented and dominated. And um, men tend to socialize together do business together, and it can be really hard and daunting to break into that bubble and try to make self yourself part of the conversation. And then when you feel your voice isn't heard, sometimes it can take a while to convince yourself that you are worthy and belong at that top level, and you are part of the leadership. As much as there are more and more surgical women in the leadership roles of recent, we still have a ways to go in terms of being decision makers and maintaining an equal seat at the table in order to make an effect and make an impact in our field. The younger generation of women is really eager to break the barriers and I think we are definitely getting there. It's just still gonna take us a while. You said, I think making sure we maintain that seat at the table, you know, other women before myself, like you, are you're sort of paving this way and giving us the opportunity to have that seat. So mm -hmm. making sure that we we do the same, right? Um, I know that Angela Brady spoke specifically spoke about sort of passing on the baton. And I think that that's, that's what I love we're talking right now because I get to hear what Pinar did to get to where she is and hopefully I can do it and then pass it on. Of course. Um, I know you're really passionate about mentorship. Um, and I read a little snippet about you talking about a mentor that was really important in your life. And then it really resonated with me that you said, um, you had to sort of learn how to deal with your own insecurities and trust yourself. And that, I mean, I could relate to that completely. I'm at that age where I, sh I can take on more, but I still struggle with, a, a, you know, insecurities and questioning my own ability, especially in a new firm. I know other people definitely can relate. So I'd love to hear about your mentor and why you love to mentor and a little bit about that. Well, it is important to foster mentorship because our team is only as strong as it is weakest link. And I try to mm -hmm. impart to others a sense of ownership over their work so they see the value and the impact they have on the bigger picture. As a, as a woman in architecture, I just really try to lead by example in showing my colleagues that their voice is equitable and holds the same weight as everyone else's. And younger women um, need to be able to envision themselves in leadership positions. And to do that, they need to receive encouragement from female leaders and see them thriving. And it's important for me to encourage anyone, regardless of their gender, but women in particular, because as you said, we naturally have a uh, self-confidence gap in men. So it's important that they receive that support from other women to be able to make sure that, you know, they are growing, they are, they are making an impact and um, their voice is important.
Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have any specific instance, and I know this is sort of on the spot, but do you have a specific instance where you've spoken with someone who was younger as a mentor and gave them some advice that you felt like you really saw sort of come to fruition after y'all spoke? Or do you have any sort of specific? Of course, you know, there, I had a couple conversations with, with younger female architects that they were questioning themselves. They were questioning their communication skills. and Unfortunately, the way we see ourselves is always tend to be on the negative side and the others see themselves. So I always try to tell them or my advice has been that has not been my perception. You are doing perfectly fine. It's great. Don't even think twice about it. I'm supporting you. And sometimes I like to be in the background and give that support so they can be the ones up front doing the communication with me kind of supporting them, but they are the point person and they have that uh, one-on-one interaction with the consultants or the client or the contractor. So they are gaining more confidence through that. Right. So you, yeah, exactly. You have their back. So they know that you're yes. always there, but they also can do it themselves. A little bit yes. of toe and foot in the water kind of thing. So is there any specific advice that you think you would give someone that wants to sort of start out in the architectural profession I think it's it is it it can be architecture or or any profession actually, uh you know our our job is is not as easy as it seems from outside or it's not as glorious as it seems as outsides and you know of course uh, it, it's a, it's a long road it's a marathon it's not a sprint and it has a lot of ups and downs it has it is great days and it is it is bad days so I would say especially to younger women who are starting in architecture is just to, to stand up for themselves and uh, don't be afraid to ask for what they want and never lose the belief they have in themselves. And you women naturally embody a, a, a intuition. So, you know, they should just trust themselves uh, about um, their careers and the direction that they want to take. Is there any advice that you can think of that someone gave you that sort of helped get helped you get through those bad days? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I have been at SP for many, many years. Of course, I had, you know, certain phases that I'm like, maybe this is not right for me, or should I leave? Should I go for something else? Or what I have been doing just felt so repetitive, but. Uh, you know, the advice that I have received was that, you know, they were seeing me in a different light than that I was seeing myself. So mm -hmm. it was good to reach out and just get that feedback and make sure that I'm on the right path. And, uh, you know, there, I can see the bigger picture in, in, instead of just seeing what's right in front of me. You touched on this and I completely agree. We are our, our hardest critics or worst critics sometimes. Um, so sort of getting past that sort of self <laughs> self perceived veil is it's tricky and it takes a little time. It's hard. Yeah. So what do you think um, we need to do in order to keep sort of pushing the envelope to be more equitable with men and women on the same playing field? Well, uh, in terms of uh, making our profession more equitable for everyone across the board, uh, I think we definitely need more and more women in the leadership roles because we do bring a different perspective at that level and be able to see people 
for what they are and what they bring into the table rather than what is on the surface because we have the natural ability to dive a little bit deeper than maybe some of our male counterparts. So I feel the more we are at the top level positions, making decisions about you know the business and everyone's work, the the wages, the being more equitable will follow itself. And more on more and more, I see that younger women getting into profession, they are not afraid to ask about what they were and willing to speak up about that, which you know I lacked when I first started. It took me quite a while to be able to even have the confidence to say, hey, I think I'm doing a great job and probably I'm, you know, worth a little bit more now, you know, what I'm getting. So uh, it's, again, I think it comes to having a more diverse leadership uh, level within within the organization. And that took me, I'll say, Maybe yesterday I finally got that feeling where I understood my own worth, probably coming to SB, you know, um, it really helped me coming outside of my shell at another firm, sort of coming into my own at SB and seeing someone else's perspective that <laughs> I wasn't in the same sort of rut, someone else's perspective to help me understand my worth. And then again, like you said before, feeling confident in my worth and being able to express that is exactly. Uh, it takes time and it takes a lot of time. And I guess patience is probably part of that. Would you agree? De definitely. I mean, the more the, the more experience you have, the more you get to know the business, the more you are more aware of what is really happening, then you're able to speak more about your word. But as I said, you know, having mentors or uh, having people in the leadership position being able to see through what's happening is also also helps without people want or needing to ask about their word that they get what they are worth. I would love to hear a little bit about maybe project specific or not um, a great experience you've had and also maybe a harder experience that you felt like you overcame and how you overcame that. Uh, a harder experience is sometimes, I guess, being a woman, you know, sometimes I find myself in positions of, uh, I don't want to say word, use the word demanding, but asking people to deliver uh, certain things mm -hmm. at certain times because I'm, you know, really dealing with high stakes situations in terms of needing to meet the schedules, needing to deal with the contractors. So sometimes I feel that, you know, I have not been maybe perceived as um, who am I, who I am, but more like, you know, being a woman asking and demanding things. And that sometimes makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> but absolutely, um, yeah, I mean, that, that those are the difficult situations sometimes I find myself uh, in terms of uh, the good things is I, I think, you know, when we are doing our job well and then when we are getting our projects built and when we are receiving that positive feedback from the clients and we are when, when they are coming back to us for the next project because we have done a good job and that really makes me feel good and that, that really makes me, uh, you know, keep it going. Yeah, there's no greater feeling than getting a nice compliment from the client and getting them to come back for more work. You're like, exactly. Hmm, I can breathe. I <laughs> I did something right today. <laughs> yes. So at any given time, how many people do you typically oversee, Pinar, on your teams? Specifically SB, not it doesn't have to include consultants. Yeah. Um 
Well, I mean, I'm running multiple projects all at once and all of them at SP have amazing teams and I really trust my teams. And some of, some of the teams need more support and some of the teams need less support depending on what is going on. But uh, for example, the St. Regis project that's ongoing right now in Longboat Key, I think we have like seven, eight people right now dealing with construction administration. And then I do have a couple other projects under construction and two other projects in CD phase. So there's a lot of things going on and it's a juggling act. And sometimes, you know, I can't focus on one thing and then I can need to postpone the other thing. But um, I don't know in terms of like the exact number of people, but sometimes mm -hmm. it just feels a like lot. Always, it sounds like a yeah, lot it's, <laughs> it's jumping from one thing to the other and I want to make time for everybody and I never say no so uh, sometimes by the end of the day I start the day with the intention of I'm going to do ABC and then maybe I do half of the A at the end of the day but uh, you know doing doing my best speaking of juggling um, and doing it all and all and never saying no. One thing that I'm sure all of us women listening to this podcast can relate to wholeheartedly. Um, how do you do that with family? How do you maintain sort of this family dynamic and this um, balance between work life and, yeah. and all the other things that you just mentioned you're doing? Yeah, I would I love it, to hear a lot more about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think in my personal case, it helps that you know, my spouse is an architect, so he really do understand my day-to-day -day challenges and what I'm going through and what the demands of our profession is. And I try to really focus on the work when I'm at work. And when I try to go home, I'm really trying to focus on my kids and my time with the kids. Uh, and then, you know, as the time passes, kids are growing up and I feel like they are needing me less and less. So it's getting a little bit easier right now. But, you know, I definitely had the working mom guilt when they were very little because I felt like I was not being able to be with them when they were needing me. But now they are 11 and 13 and I'm having conversations with them. Do you remember this or do you remember that? The, the moments that really made me feel horrible about working, they don't even remember it. So I think it's, again, just me personally making things issue. But in the bigger of bigger scheme of things, you know, they are happy, they are healthy, they are well taken care of, they are loved. And, uh, you know, Again, it's just trying to not focus on the day, but on the bigger picture, I think that what's the important thing here. When you go home at night, do you continue to work once you have, I mean, I know that I do it now, but once yeah. you have a family, do you, I mean, do you do it often sometimes? It, it, it depends. It depends if the work is as important as that I have to work or it can wait the next day. You know, but before kids, I just loved work. So I continue to work. But now when I go home, I don't know if what I need to do is as important that I have to do right at the, then or it can wait the morning. So, you know, you kind of have to decide if that email has to go or it can be, you know, written in the morning. It's super important to uh, hear your answer, though, because I'm hoping to start a family soon. It's one of the things that's always worried me about our profession um, I know that a lot of women, once they start families, don't find it easy to stay in our profession. And so 
you know, hearing that you have the ability to be able to balance the two and have a little bit of mom guilt, but hearing that, you know, that mom guilt is really just that mom guilt and that your kids are still great, <laughs> thriving and love their mom and you've been around. Is there anything else that you think that you'd love to discuss specifically about, you know, where we've come as women, what you've seen sort of from the beginning when you started in our profession um, to sort of the changes that have been made and that feel better now? I still feel as women, we definitely need more representation at the leadership level. Uh, it's, it's extremely important that we are sitting at those tables and we are being heard. Sometimes I feel like our male counterparts, while they are talking the talk, but they're not walking the walk when it comes <laughs> to it. And it's a struggle and it can be really discouraging. But as women, we need to keep going. And as Janet, as you said, I think we owe it to, to women who came before us and paved the way so you and I can have this conversation right now. But we also owe to give our 100% to the woman that is going to come in the next 10, 20 years. And I'm, you know, I have a daughter, so I don't want even have her to have the struggles that I thought I had. And I want her to just be successful for who she is, not because she's a woman or she's not she's not a man, you know. So um I think we just have to, you know, keep charging ahead and we definitely are worthy of uh, many more opportunities. That's such a beautiful point. Um, I think I think of my future children all the time when I'm thinking about what I'm doing, right? We, I feel like we have, like you said, you have an obligation. You feel like it's your responsibility, which is a lot to carry, but also um, I feel like an honor, right? Yeah. To be able to carry that responsibility that you're, you are creating a better world for your daughter. And hopefully we all can. Um, and I think that's a wonderful point. And it's also, I think that we, and you said this too, we create a better environment when we're both at the table, right? Architecture is better when we have both the female and male perspective. We see things differently, which is great, right? So that's understanding that our differences are actually what's the most important. I mean, I think that that's, that's also, like you said, extremely, extremely important. Yeah, the the more di the more diverse the leadership team is, with people from different backgrounds, different histories, different viewpoints, the better the decisions that are being taken that are relative to everyone in the organization, and it is not just to a certain group because certain group has to think the same. So we need to speak up so we can make sure the decisions are being taken that is works for everyone, not just for certain. certain Absolutely. Groups. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much for just being here. I know you're so busy. You're juggling a oh, lot. Thank you, Jeanette. But you're thank such you. an, you're such a, a warming person to listen to and hear oh. your advice. And it's nice to finally get to know you a little bit. Thank you so much. Jeanette. This was fun. And I really enjoyed it.